You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. With the 20th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Kadarius Toney, wide receiver, Florida. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. What's going on on this lovely pre-Carolina podcast night? <laughs> Since all of our teams are all shitty again, now we're just kind of just me and you kind of trying to figure it's this just all out. Just hanging out. <laughs> this has become the podcast That's again. That's what we're doing now. We've, we've hit that point where we always say, Grump, well, we hope we have relevant games by Thanksgiving, and here we are. Pre-Halloween. Yeah, not even Halloween yet, and uh, we're talking about the draft, and we're talking about who our new GM will be. And I mean, you're you talking are... about basketball and hockey, I'm sure. Hey, if all you Nick fans out there, I know I rip on you all for being Yankee fans, but if you're on Nick fans, <laughs> I was at I was at the Garden last night for that double overtime win to start the season. That was now that was exciting. I mean, that's something where you know that crowd was rocking like a playoff game. You know, I, I think a lot of Nick fans are, or a lot, a lot of them are Giant fans, and I think they're Yankee fans, and they're, they're fed up with their teams, and they're sick of losing. There's, the sick of the Yankees falling short in the postseason. They're sick of the Giants falling short in, in life, and the Knicks. I mean, I don't know what kind of bizarre world we live in where they're providing us some hope. But, all right. So for one night, I got to leave a sporting event happy. Well. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive down some uh, just Giants podcast history here. Um, we have never seen a winning season, right? So we started this podcast coming off of the 2016 season, wow. where, where we pretty much had we we should have started it that year with the amount that we were talking and, and all the yeah effort yeah. I was putting into just looking at so things. We'll, you know, we'll do Grump. We'll one day we'll go we'll dig out all the old texts from 2015, 2016. <laughs> And we'll and we'll get some voice actors. Just, we'll have, we'll get we'll hire some actual actors like Tom Cruise and like exactly. just somebody with like a really recognizable voice and like Christian Bale and have them read him for us. I was thinking, you know, I think he just di- he just died recently, but Sean Connery would be a good one to do for us. Yeah, and, uh, James Earl Jones would be fantastic. But sure, uh, yeah. But the point is, <laughs> we've never been able to have a show and being like, all right. Oh, like a, where it's like a whole season of like what we wanted to do. I mean, like I want to break down film and be like, man, this is this. I can see where they can exploit this, and like to a certain extent, I do that now. But I don't really get that excited because it's like, I mean, they could exploit this. Like, will they? Though, <laughs> I have well, no idea. There's some guy from Target who used to bring in cards. He's our left guard right now. Yeah, exactly. Do. It's, it's breaking down film to see how badly they're gonna stomp us. So, these are the dark times, my friend. And the other bit of just Giants um, trivia here is that this is a this is a bit of a heated matchup for us going against the Carolina Panthers. Um, yeah, Carolina in general. So like, I like to go on a like one or two road trips per season just to see other cities. Obviously, to visit other stadiums, but like, I like eating the, the local food, seeing the market because it's really cool. You know, New York is not a very like sport team like town because it's so divided between first of all people moving from all over and taking their customs and and their teams with them but also just multiple teams in the same sport sport. yeah so 
it's it doesn't function like when you walk into Pittsburgh and the entire place from start to finish is black and gold. So yeah, this isn't a rah rah town. I mean, they like they like their teams, and you know, you go to the Meadowlands and there's eighty thousand Giant fans. But if you just kind of walk around, you know, unless it's like Super Bowl week or something, you don't see things like you know a statue in a park with all of a sudden someone stuck a giant uniform on it like you mm-hmm. see in some other cities and like I, I you know I lived in Tampa for years and you know when it's game week it's like everybody at work is like hey are you going to the game yeah I'm going hey you want to meet by the pirates uh, ship for a drink like in Jacksonville it's you know it's, it's like an extension of having a college there that that college feel and it's very professional here in New York and again yeah, because it's a, it's across the river. It's kind of like over there, so it's not the same as some of these other places. Well, no, not at all. And we went to Charlotte. Um, I want to say two years ago, right? Was that uh, ooh, was that twenty nineteen or eighteen? It was Beckham's uh, I, last year here. I, I think it was eighteen. Well, Graham Gano was kicking. So oh um, yeah, you know what? It was it was the year Barkley was um, drafted, right? So it was twenty eighteen. We pulled a double header. We pulled from a Gator <clears throat> game, and I don't even remember what game we went to. Did we and fly up from oh, – we did. You're right. We did. We flew up like 6 in the morning from Gainesville and we got to and we got to Charlotte that morning and we hung out before the game. And uh, That was either Vanderbilt or Tennessee or LSU. I, I want to say – I don't even remember. But it was <laughs> – I'm getting old. My brain is just shot to hell now. But, yeah, we, we went to we – we pulled a, a giant – a Gator Giant doubleheader that, that weekend in uh, – if that was 2018, I think it was LSU because that was Joe Burrow's junior year, right? He was a uh, he was a rookie yes. in 2020, which means he was a senior in 2019. Was, 2018, that, Florida beat LSU. Yeah, it was that year we were thinking is <laughs> is Joe Burrow better than Philippi Franks? That's how bad it was. I mean, how wrong we were for thinking that was even a comparison. Not not Franks me. Is, Franks is now holding a clipboard, and, and he actually got a, a gig in the NFL. He, he is. Uh, a the third quarterback in Atlanta right now, but mm-hmm. um, Joe Burrow became Joe Burrow in 2019, and then, you know, to bring this story full circle, Joe Brady, his uh, offensive specialist, he wasn't even the offensive coordinator at LSU, is now the offensive coordinator for Carolina. And on top of that, we went to that game, and it was, I want to say, a thousand degrees probably in the sun I think like it started off and I was like wow this is a really nice morning and then by like one <laughs> thirty, I think I had like sweat out everything I had drank already um, and that was that was like you said the Graham Gano kicked the, the game winner we were pissed and we turned around to leave and uh, there was a jersey missing from our chair yeah so. some prick I think it was because we were sitting we were in the back row of the first level so like right behind us was a, a luxury box so, like, our backs were up against it the whole time. So, apparently, either during the kick or right after the kick, because it was so hot out, I had my away Eli jersey, and I put it on the chair behind me. Somebody swiped it. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. To, to, you know, make, you know, a, a great day even greater. Yeah, and, you know, upon trying to find it, retrieve it, get any information from the security guard standing literally right next to you, um, was such a hassle and nobody was nice to us at all. They were yeah, all really, Andy, really shitty and rude. Andy um, from Mayberry wanted nothing to do with the uh, with those damn Yankees that were you know invading there. A lot of Giant fans were there. I mean, a yeah. lot of New York, a lot of New Yorkers have moved to North Carolina into the Charlotte area, but you know this is still the this is the Deep South, and they want nothing to do with you know our our lovely accents and our you know 
Yeah, so, you know what? My attitude is fuck that city, fuck that state, fuck both those states. They can't decide which state that team belongs to. Fuck all of them. Fuck that fan, the fans. Fuck that team. I hate them all. I hate them all. I'm sorry. That was was one of the worst experiences I've had in an NFL game. Well, that's – oh, believe me, that – probably wasn't even one of the top 10 worst i've ever had. i mean i could i could stand like somebody giving me like some lip and we'll smack talk even if he's being a jerk i mean obviously we're not talking swinging or throwing punches but i'm not really that guy anyway i'm not really going to instigate that i won't let it get to that level but to just straight up steal property like that and i, I don't know man that's they're that's just, a pretty brutal i mean there are a bunch of rednecks down there they always have been they always will be no matter how many people from the north move down there but you know whatever i mean it brings up a question that we had a pretty hot debate on, and we should – it's a lesson learned for Grump and I. We should probably hit record as soon as we turn on our cameras and our – you know, as we're prepping for this about what constitutes a rivalry. Yeah, I, so we had a really long discussion. I have a theory that the NHL's local markets and the way that they're on top of each other in the division – uh, the, the markets are on top of each other with Philly, New Jersey, two New York teams. Pittsburgh's really not that far away. You've got Boston not too far away either. That really helps that, that NHL rivalry because that division, like all those fans, they live on top of each other and it's it's close and it's bitter. And I mean, going to Devils Rangers games are always fun. It doesn't even matter which arena you're at. That is just such a, an electric atmosphere. And, uh, you know, whatever. I, my, my theory is that because of Carolina's proximity, it would, in, it would make it for a tighter division than Dallas being there because it's so far away. It, it totally went off the rails. Just It, it was well, – what were we talking for 30 minutes when it was yeah, just like we were just, just outlining really, what to do? Yeah. Just to really brief this, you know, <laughs> Trump, has, Trump has this belief that Carolina and New York are in some sort of – any type of geographic proximity where – it's a completely different culture down there than here. It's not a. It's not a drive. It's not a train trip. It's like you're on a plane. And to me, you know, if if you were to remove, let's say, Dallas from the east, and you had it more geographically based, I, you know, first of all, no Giant fan would want that. And second of all, I don't know what any good it does for the league. You know, it's again, it's not like you can just, you know, hop on a train and be down there in two hours. I mean, it's 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 a flight like it's going to Atlanta, or it's like going to. Cincinnati. It, 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 there, there's nothing similar about the two markets. Now, I, I know a lot of New Yorkers have moved down there, but it's the same with Tampa or something. So I, I he's he's dead wrong on this one. I, no, no. See, he's mischaracterizing it again. I, my argument is that their market is closer to the other markets, plural, in the division, which would include Washington, which is a train ride away from Charlotte, and Philadelphia, which is not much further um, up up the line from Washington, which is a train ride from Philadelphia. So, I mean, th- th- those are two train rides right there from each other. No, those markets are, in fact, on top of each other. Philly and Washington are pretty far apart. I mean, it's a that train is a ride. train ride. It's a train ride from here. Right, but that's like that's like the outer stretch of how far you're going by to say you're. But in all those cities, Boston, New York, Philly, Baltimore, Washington, they're all kind of linked. They're all northeastern cities with deep-rooted not just in football but in all the major sports and uh, and just you know cultures that kind of have rivalries with each other hey man i would rather i would i look if boston could be in the division that would be if new england were in 
the NFC East, I, I would argue that that's an even stronger rivalry than, than anything Carolina could offer, both with Philly and New York, and I think, you know, probably even Washington as well, but I didn't come up with the conference system the NFL did. So, I mean, when you get into splitting up the conferences, it becomes much more convoluted. doesn't matter. My point wasn't that they should change it now because, like he said, it was it's too far ingrained now, and any change you make now will have an impact, but not for, like, 50 years down the line when generations change. And things change in the NFL, so uh, no, I don't think it does any good to change it right now for right now. But it was just a it was just a thought experiment. And one other thought thing before we actually move on to the the task at hand, because you know we don't want to talk about this current Giant team. Hmm. Do you? We also had the second debate: Is Giants Washington even a rivalry anymore? Yeah, I, I think it's becoming one again now that they're both seemingly on the rise at the same time. It's feeling a little minor, but I mean. I mean, we go to games that are at MetLife, Dallas Giants, and I want to punch people. We go to games that are Dallas Eagles, and I want to punch people. We go to games that are Giants, Washington. I've I've stood on the train next to people, and they're they're totally cool. I mean, they're really not. It doesn't. They're not heated with me. I'm not really heated with them. Cool. It was you know. Cool people versus a holes. That's anecdotal. You just happen to run into everything I've just guy. said was anecdotal. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, so like this guy's cool. This guy's a, this guy's a jerk. That's just you know when you just happen who you rub up against when you're in a trainer. It's just that Washington has been consistently such. A, it's not because of proximity or anything. Like I, I, historically, there's obviously a very deep rivalry there. I mean, those are two of the oldest franchises in the league. Um, but, you know, just for me personally, in my entire lifetime, Washington has been such a cellar dweller for so long that it hasn't felt like a very strong rivalry. Obviously, anyone in the division is a manufactured rivalry to begin with, um, but it always felt like that. It was just like, yeah, I care about Washington, but because they're in the East. Grump, what year were you born? 87. You know, it's amazing. In your lifetime, the Giants really haven't been very relevant either. I mean, we've had... I mean, I guess, but in my lifetime, they've won every Super Bowl they've ever won. That's true. Uh, that's not true. They lost it's not... Oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but it, it, the Giants... No, no, no. no. Yeah, they, every Super Bowl that that franchise has won has been in my lifetime. That's what I was saying. 80, when were you born? In 87? Yeah, it's technically out of it. I was born the same year, but months later. <laughs> okay. It, but it's it's... It's pretty condensed. They were, but it's such a weird, you know. If you look at like the little chart of their success, it's not like this. The Giants have been like this, and no, it it was. They started out real high and they plummeted real bad, and they're back there again. It feels like my Dan Reeves days. Yeah, Dan Reeves, Dave Brown. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it. Like we've talked about, you know. One of the knocks on Eli for his Hall of Fame credentials is how many playoff wins he has, and other than those two years. None. Zero. Yeah. It's a very strange. It's a, we are a very strange franchise. That uh, if we weren't in New York and didn't have you know the history of the names like the, of the Giffords and the you know uh, you know the, even like the Lawrence Taylors and, and you know ingrained in the NFL films video you see in your mind. I mean, what would people think of the New York Giants if we were based in I don't know Cincinnati or. Um. You know, I'm trying to think of like what other team kind of had the same up and down. Washington, maybe. I mean, Washington has what two Super Bowls? Three, two. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so with Washington, though. 
Yeah, it's, it's not Washington. I mean, like, even even when the Giants weren't performing very well, like you said, Eli only had the one playoff win. It's not like they were a bad team for all of Eli's years. I mean, especially the early years. We can, you know, go into a whole Giants history lesson on everything that happened from, like, hey, 2011 hey, we, on. We keep losing. That might come sooner than you think. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, really, from, from the 2016 wasn't too bad. 2007 was obviously good. 2008 was one of the best football teams I've ever rooted for in my life. Um, 2009 was, was the shitty year, and that was because they had no plan for um, Plexico Burris. Yeah, I mean, they drafted Hakeem Nix, was a rookie. They were really relying on Steve Smith to be a number one receiver. But that 2010 team almost made the playoffs. 2011 team won the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that era in between there, even though they only had the playoff wins in those two seasons, everything in between, they were still a team that people were the, worried about. The results didn't, don't really match what they actually were. Right, but but I don't think around the league people in circles thought the Giants were a joke in that in that time frame. No, but that's also that's only like a four or five year stretch too. No, I know. I mean, yeah, no, it's the, it's in, in, from six to yeah, it was five years. In that decade before, like you know, leading up to the Eli, you know, draft pick, and then you know, in the the decade almost since the last Super Bowl, it's been pretty. Eh. And I don't need any of you older Giant fans to you know to relive the you know the pre George Young days of how irrelevant this franchise was. So. Yeah, so it was it was like a 9-year stretch in the 90s into the 2000s they were they were good again. And they they didn't really fall again until what 2002 and 3 they were bad or 3 and 4. Yeah. 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 So I mean it was, there was a small dip in there but mostly from 2000 to um 2012 I would say they were a formidable team for the most part. Yeah, it's just a weird history where, you know, it's a lot of blab but also Four Super Bowls. I mean, there's only a couple of teams that have more than us. And I don't think most – they're kind of like the, the San Francisco Giants where if you said, who are the best teams of the last 15 years? You know, you're going to hear all the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Yankees and blah, blah, blah. San Francisco Giants won three Super Bowls in six years, and it's like, oh, I forgot about that. That's right. I kind of feel like that's what the Giants, those two Super Bowls, are going to kind of go down in history as. Like, oh, yeah, they won those two Super Bowls. Yeah, you might be right. You know who won zero Super Bowls? This team? The Carolina Panthers. Oh, they met this this current giant team. Nah, I still got something to rub in their faces. So, yeah, Carolina started this year at 3-0, and and I, I went into this week thinking, you know, I knew that they lost to Dallas. I knew that they had that shit game against Philly, which I chalked up to a, a bad game from Sam Darnold for the most part. You know, he, he didn't perform. They, you know, Philly kind of squeaked out a win. It happens. But I didn't realize that they also lost last week. They're now in a three-game skid, and shit's kind of unraveling a little bit there. I find the Panthers bizarrely in a similar situation to the Giants. And, like, I mean, very bizarrely. I, I, they're both in their second year with a new coach, with a new system. You know, theoretically, the Giants are in a two-year rebuild. But really, they've been in a rebuild for the last four years. So they should be out ahead. But they're right about neck-and-neck neck roster-wise on paper. But both teams are really injured at key positions. I mean... You know, Carolina did a pretty good job in when they rebuilt their roster. They spread the wealth across positions where the Giants kind of loaded into position groups, you know, early. Um, So there's some really thin depth, whereas Carolina is thin everywhere, but they've got a pretty good starter base. Um, So when they started losing guys, you know, they started falling apart all over. And now we've got calls for for Wonderboy Joe Brady, who was the, the, the football darling for two years 
you know, now there's some murmurs about, you know, making commitments to the run game. Matt Rule is in the headlines this week as, you know, trying to commit to the run game in, in the wake of Christian McCaffrey getting hurt and, you know, that being part of the offensive struggles. See, you know something? I went on a whole rant about, I don't know, three weeks ago about living in the past and mm. <laughs> not playing 21st century football. And that's what the Giants culture, I believe, is right now. And every time I hear... Every time I hear a, a coach or a talk radio host or a fan be like, got to run the ball, got to commit to the run, got to pound the rock, that tells me that they are not living in the present. And when I start hearing stuff, who am I going to trust who's had a better track record? Joe Brady, who engineered possibly the best offense of all time in college football over one year, or Matt Rule? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, again, I'm gonna give everybody a little uh, an asterisk with this because my my dream coach for Florida, once we get rid of Dan Mullen, which hopefully would be sooner than later, that's for another show, another conversation. Is I would love to have Joe Brady come back to college and be our coach. I think the guy, his offense that that year when he was cooking, when he had Brady and and Chase and and, and all those receivers in the running, it was. It was unstoppable. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow is a really, really good quarterback. He is not an elite, elite quarterback relative to some guy like a Trevor Lawrence coming out of high school and everything. And he just had mismatches all over the field, like nothing I'd seen since Steve Spurrier as far as a schematic advantage. And I, you know, again, if we're gonna, if he's gonna criticize him for getting away from the running game and stuff, let's remember who his quarterback is. Let's remember you know, all the, the injuries they have and everything. It sounds like he's almost trying to scapegoat somebody that you know, uh, who's actually, I, I think, a really, really good coach. So there's a lot going on there, probably behind the scenes we don't know about, but. Well, there's more than more than just Matt Rule. I, I agree with everything you just said, uh, and I think that a lot of times coaches only say we need to commit to the running game when they can't run the ball. They're just like, yeah. we're going to stay committed to it. It's like, does that mean you don't practice it? What does that mean? Like, it just sounds like you guys aren't we're good just, at running the ball. We're just going to keep, we're not going to give up on play call and second. Yeah, it's just, so what does ball? that mean? You're just going to commit to two yard gains? What? Are, I don't, I don't know what that means. That just sounds like you're going to focus on it and practice and what running plays you can run to make it work. But they always say things about balance and 30 rushes a game and whatever. So, I don't think he believes that for a second, in all honesty. I think if, if the offense is throwing the ball at will, he doesn't give a shit if they run the ball. Never. Um, so, you know, part of it is that, you know, Sam Darnold had a rough game against Philly. And then we started seeing, uh, you know, they, they played tough opponents with Dallas and Minnesota. Those aren't easy games. And they gave Minnesota a run for their money. They took that into overtime. They came back to bring into overtime at the, at the very end there. I mean, granted, they probably should have lost on a field goal. There were two missed field goals by Minnesota in that game. But... They, they played well. They, they didn't get outclassed by Minnesota, and they didn't really even get outclassed by Dallas. I thought they played well. But what you have is Robbie Anderson throwing a fit on the sideline. He's frustrated very specifically that they're, that they're not running double routes on guys who are sitting on the, on you know, whatever. So he's frustrated with Joe Brady, He's who's, who's up in the booth, by the way. He's not on the sideline. And Matt Rule is left to kind of say something to the media. So I don't think he believes in that run game shit. I think it's an easy thing for him to say. And I think it fits into, oh, well, you know, the passing game's not working. I really like to not get away from the run, whatever. So 
I mean, they're they're. I'm not saying they're in shambles, but they're not in a happy place right now. Falling yeah. three straight games. Well, you know what the cure for that always is playing us. Yeah, <laughs> us limping in, you know, and uh, you know, limping being the key word because you know now we have three fifths of our offensive line on injured reserve. I know, and it's it's. <laughs> I mean, they're thinking. And I think Andrew Thomas for IR is just simply that he has now hurt his other foot trying to play with a hurt foot. And it's just like, at this point, it's like, just seriously, just put your feet up. There's no, because, you know, I don't want Daniel Jones to get hurt, but Andrew Thomas is just as important. I don't want him hurt either. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, right now, I mean, I, I, I don't know. They're, they're going to have to – okay, so I'm worried about Hassan Reddick, right? On the back end, uh, the Panthers have a, have an option to activate Stefan Gilmore that they've obtained in a trade. He is capable of being activated this week, but he is coming back from an injury. He's only practiced Wednesday. I was hoping I had information whether he was going to play today uh, or uh, Sunday for this episode or not. Uh, Matt Rule said he would make a determination on Thursday. He lied. They're going to make a determination later. Um, so I'm sorry. That, I mean that, and that will change everything because of on the back end, what they've got right now is just really Dante Jackson and AJ Boye. They have a young emerging talent in um, Keith Taylor who's showed some promise, but their safeties aren't very. I mean, like Jeremy Chin is, you know, whatever. On the back end, they're kind of weak. And in all honesty, if the Giants came into this game with a full set of, you know, Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton was healthy, and John Ross is on the injury report this week. Or a full offensive line that could give time to get these guys open. Or that too, yeah. I mean, but I mean, just the full gamut of receivers, like, I would feel very comfortable about going up against the secondary. I mean, shit, even if they have Stephon Gilmore, if we have a full gamut of receivers, I feel okay. I mean, A.J. Boye is above average and that's the best they've got back there so uh well actually i would say dante jackson's better but dante jackson's better yeah yeah he's he's better but you know he's been there for a while aj Boye was like their big free agent pickup and he's he's whatever he's fine um but i mean i i think what we're gonna see and what i've seen some success teams running against them with dallas um and Minnesota a little bit too is is running max protect. First of all, I don't know how else they're going to protect Daniel Jones, but they're going to have to come up with a variety of plays to run max protect because they're going to need it a lot. But I mean, it's going to be some runs. They're going to have to run some screens, and they're definitely going to have to run some play action deep shots out of max protection. They've already done a pretty good job of that because, in part, some of the guys they're leaving in to protect are guys like Evan Ingram, where you know someone's slipping out and in, in, into a route, and you'd expect it to be him, but it's not. Instead, it's Caden Smith or Kyle Rudolph, and then you've got Colin Johnson or something, somebody else running deep on the other side. Just, they have such a full gamut of, of big guys that can do both either block or run, and they've, they've had success with that already, and we've seen other teams have success with that against Carolina as well. They've had success, but it's not consistent success, unfortunately. You know, yeah. we, we can hit a play or two. The question is going to be, you know, how much can we sustain that? You know, and it, with, with this patchwork line, I'm, I, that to me just it's kind of starts and stops right there. I mean, you're you absolutely know? right. Nate Solder is an abomination. He I, he might have played his worst game I've ever seen uh, last week. I mean, I mean, t- to be fair to him, he probably shouldn't be out there. I mean, if we were. Yeah. Anywhere near healthy, he would be probably be cut at this point. They probably would say forget it, but you know it's just 
and I, and I don't know if I necessarily are buying everything. Well, this is all Gettleman's fault because, you know, we are this thin right now. But it's like, who plans for having three guys on IL? And that's I mean, yeah, that's, that's significant. You know, a significant, a significant uh, setback for it. I mean, if one guy gets hurt, you should be able to account for that. Two, maybe three. Yeah, I mean, we looked at Dallas a couple years ago and they had three offensive linemen go down and they were terrible. I mean, teams aren't meant to... I mean, no, the, the cap doesn't really allow for you to have that level of depth on offensive line and also be a competitive team with money allocated for the rest of your roster. It just doesn't work like that. It would be amazing if any team could sustain that. It's so aggravating, Grump, because, you know, they say, you know, if you can catch a, a quarterback in his rookie deal, you're not putting so much money... To the quarterback you can spend for all this stuff and it's just like you have daniel jones you know still on his rookie deal and we have no cap flexibility at all and we have nothing to show for it you know we're still in the toilet it's well just, you, you chalk that up to some level of heavy spending in addition to the cap having no increase because of covid nope. yeah yeah but i mean everybody has that too yeah that, no you're you're right i i agree um i mean you're right, and they, to be fair, they spent the money because I think they thought they really would be competitive, but not expecting to not even start the year with their left guard. I mean, yeah. theoretically, yes, they did. I was actually corrected on this this week because I keep forgetting Shane Lemieux played a series um, before going on IR. But uh, yeah, I mean, really, they they started right away with with a key piece on IR. They were pretty much one piece, one injury away from being shaky, and you know, then you follow it up with a. a brutally broken leg to the center position and now you're fucked and the plan for the backups were guys who just took flyers on and retired yeah so they had to scramble and get guys right at the right at the end at cut day for cheaper rather than go out and get them earlier and they had to figure out the friggin playbook so i don't know i mean it's this is actually a more winnable game than i thought carolina's having just as many not just as many but they're having significant injury issues as well you know guys like jc horn on ir zilstra's on ir taylor moten has now been had to move to left tackle instead of right tackle when they went out and got him so they've got you know christensen out there looks terrible um at right i think they've been doing the same thing we've been doing which is just cycling out tackles and doing just praying if if you want to earn your giants fan card i mean we will see you at the Meadowlands this Sunday because this is really going to be, even if you know we're competitive in this game, this is going to be an ugly game. This is not going to be one that uh, they're going to be showing on NFL Network in 13 years from now, saying this classic. This is just going to be a lot of banged up guys, a lot of guys who probably shouldn't be in the league playing. I mean, I saw that we are the third most injured team in the NFL right now, and I think that Carolina is in the top five also. Yeah. So you got a lot of guys that are kind of filling gaps right now. Yeah, I mean, this might look like um, this might look like a high school football game out there, which is just with the injuries and the fact that both of these teams are emerging. You know, they're they're coming out of the depths. They weren't. They're, I mean, neither one of these teams was prepared to be in the top fifteen of teams with injuries right now. Neither one of them, and now they're both in the top five. So, um, you know, on defense, I'm really only worried about 
the team being on the field for two-thirds of the game again like they were last week. <laughs> the defense finally started to figure some stuff out last week. You know, whether that was scheme or game planning, execution, or any combination of those, they looked pretty sharp to start the game. And I was actually pretty surprised against, you know, a markedly more lethal Rams offense. Um, you know... But then they started to adjust a little bit. They started to adjust. I mean, also the defense was on the field for so long, and you know yeah. the offense was fumbling in the red zone, in in their own red zone. Defense has to defend ten yards. I mean, like things like that. I, I wouldn't have told you snowballed. to be good enough it to all do. Kind of, every a game is not like you know, dump, bump, bump. Things. Yeah, fact, you're. That's things snowball out of control, and for the factors you just said too. Yeah. So, you know. Who knows if there wasn't any turnovers and, you know, we can get a few more first downs. Maybe you could maintain that intensity and things that they did early. But when when it starts flowing upstream, you're, you're kind of hosed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in the late stages of this game, I think we're going to see the Panthers kind of grind down that run game that Matt Rules talked about. And I think part of the reason he used that as an excuse is because the Giants run defense is bad. And that will be a way to win this game, get the heat off of Joe Brady, and, you know, stay true to his word at the same time. There's there's a real opportunity for them to come out scoring, throwing the ball, and then grind out the second half on the ground and, and beat us that way. And the the run defense, that's got to get cleaned up. I mean, straight up, they were, they were not doing a bad job at the point of attack. They were just over committing to it and ruining their cutbacks. And that's what it's been the last couple of weeks. Well, let me ask you, I mean... How much of it is scheme for the running defense and how much is the personnel right now? It, uh, I would say 50-50. Because you hear a lot of, well, it's obvious that Devlin Thomason's gone and that's been the major impact. It's like, he was good. You know, he wasn't an all-pro. But all um, of a now, yeah, you know, well, I mean, he's... This year to last year? Oh, I, I agree. But, I mean, part of it, I think... Me, I think it's more Blake Martinez. And I know that they started out bad with Blake Martinez there. But the team as a whole, offense, defense, special teams, everyone started out bad this year. So, I don't know, like, how much All of that to try to... started out bad, if you think about it. I mean, you, you, you scan around the league week one and week two. It's just that hangover of not doing preseason. Mm-hmm. And everybody's trying to figure it out in week one and week two. It's how do you, you know, wake up? Like, who wakes up faster than others and who doesn't wake up at all? Yeah, I I think you know you can't leave out the the one of the NFL leading tacklers as being one of the reasons the run game sucks, even if he wasn't doing so great in the first two games of the year. But also the some of the scheme is Jabril Peppers not being utilized the same way he was last year in a much more reduced role, playing a lot of man coverage as well, and not being as much in the box as he was last year. I think that's hurt the run game a little bit. Um, in so, addition so to Dalvin you, being gone too, yeah, so it, it's everything. Think? What do you think? I mean. Is it again? Because it's just personnel. Like you know, we don't have these guys playing. That uh, Graham is just less aggressive, or just schemed differently, or is it just I'm just running the same thing I did? We don't have the, the guys who are doing it anymore. Do you think he's consciously changed what he's doing because of his personnel? Have uh, you noticed anything that's like, well, we weren't doing that this year, or now we're doing that this year? Um, I don't know. I think. Well, he's consciously changed the scheme because of the personnel because he's got more man cover corners. That's first starter. So, I mean, like right. right off the bat. And we've seen, like I said, right from the beginning of the year, Jabril Pepper's role has been reduced. Um, so he's consciously made a, a change because of the man cover corners he's got. He doesn't have to run zone constantly like he did last year. Um, but 
it, it is a combo. I mean, he's he's moved away from. He's put them in a position now where it puts a lot more onus on the players to make a play at the same time that they've lost their middle line, their inside linebacker to injury, and they've lost a big run stuffing defensive tackle to free agency. Basically, just right up the middle. I yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're I mean, talking tackle, linebacker, safety. Boom, boom, boom. All yep, gone. Yep. And That's we, remember, we were criticizing Jerry Reese for building it, building an organization from the outside in as opposed to inside out. Well, we've we've been gutted right in the inside. I mean, I have in the back of my mind wanted to tweet for a while now that Giants fans aren't going to be happy that defensive tackle is going to be a draft need. I mean, it's going to be an offseason need no matter what. And I know Giants fans don't want to hear it because we drafted Dexter Lawrence in the first and we paid Leonard Williams all this money, but and we traded BJ Hill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we and we let Dalvin walk and and but the oh. fact remains is that defensive tackles. I mean, Philadelphia is a great team because they have uh, sorry, they're not. They're a great defensive line because they have consistently invested in it over and over and over again. And how many guys if we we've developed we've had no problem developing defensive tackles, but we don't re-sign them. Yeah, and and you know what? I don't have necessarily a problem with that ideology. A lot of times these guys flame out with the big money contracts. Occasionally you miss out. You know, Linville Joseph is obviously the glaring one who had went on to have a consistent, really good career. He's still playing really well. We let him walk, but A, we couldn't afford him at all when he left in that moment. But there's far more instances of the Barry Cofields of the world who – play really well at defensive tackle they get a big money deal go elsewhere and they're just kind of defensive tackles so yeah i mean part of that could be just you know, you're in the right situation where you are and it may not yeah. just uh you know transpose to somewhere else but i don't know i mean again that's one of those high price ticket items like a you know offensive line or or cornerback or receiver where you, you have to replace that in the open market you're gonna be paying through the nose and Last time I checked, we have no money. Yeah. So, and, you know, this wish, wish list we have for the draft keeps growing of all the things that we need. You know, we again, we were talking about nostalgia for how this podcast started. It usually usually involved a text after every game. Okay, top five needs. Yep. What are they? <laughs> yeah, and what is and it? Three O-linemen, a defensive tackle, two edge rushers, and an inside linebacker, right? Yeah. Say wait till after free agency, then we'll talk about draft. <laughs> yeah, but this well, year, this year might be a very quick conversation. We have nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Take what you can get. Um, you know, speaking of having nothing, Sam Darnold doesn't really have a, a whole lot of weapons right now. No McCaffrey. You know, he, he's missing some guys. So it's it's really Robbie Anderson is his safety blanket. His former teammate in New York. Um, and he's he's both the safety blanket when Sam Darnold's in trouble, and he's also the deep threat guy that they always scheme to go deep. And you know, rightfully so. I mean, Robbie Anderson is a surprisingly was a surprise story in the NFL, right? As being a pretty decent wide receiver. I mean, shit. Um, you know, but the, I want to know if Aziz Ojolari or Lorenzo Carter or O'Shane Zimenez want to get some stats because. Whoever lines up at right tackle this week, I want someone to get in Sam Donald's face. Now, Donald can run, whatever, but I would at least like to see some QB pressures coming from the right side. And I don't give a shit which one of those three does it. He, I don't care if it's Nico Lalos. He's still Sam Donald. 
Yeah. And he had he's he's been playing well, but the Philly game was brutal and then, you know, the the slide has been not so good. But that first three games, I think he threw one pick. He looked lightning. Looked pretty good. Yeah. But again, things seem seem to even out over a course of a season. Not just the That's why we have overreaction Monday. That's why we don't freak out about things in the first month of the season. You kind yeah. of are what you are. And you may be surrounded with better personnel. And in this case, he may not be better, surrounded with better personnel with the Jets with all the injuries. Guess so, so this is kind of almost a throwback to, you know, Meadowlands, Darno. All right. So what do we think? What are we? What is this game? Give me a prediction. Well, the good thing about Sunday is it is a doubleheader weekend for a lot of us because we have the Giants at 1 and we have a Nick game at 7.30. So... We have something to look forward to for the rest of the evening, so we won't be wallowing after another giant, pitiful performance. And unfortunately, nothing tells me that this team is going to right the ship this week, even with a a Carolina team that is banged up and is vulnerable. Um, the problems we have with the injuries, the offensive line, on, on defense, and everything—you know, the, some of the weapons that we don't have to help out. Uh, Daniel Jones, it's it's too much, no matter who we're playing right now. Um, I really don't see us doing much of anything. I think it's going to be one of the more disgusting games we've ever seen. I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, we are still fighting losers-lose, so we will find some sort of way to blow this game. I think we're going to lose something like 17-12. And just really ugly. Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in us in this game. I I I think that um this is a this is a winnable game this Sunday. There's a chance that they can win it. I think oh, if, if if both teams came into this game fully fully healthy, I think it would still be a winnable game. I think it would be nice and close and I think it would be an enjoyable game because I think that they would be pretty evenly matched. I think it would be a fun shootout and a fun storyline. Unfortunately, yeah. they're both really hurt, so it's not going to be fun. Game. You know, a lot of people from Carolina coming up for it, Grump. <laughs> hey, no, the storyline I meant of Sam Darnold coming from New York. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, this probably was the best thing for... Well, it's also, there's the Dave Gettleman connection. There's tons of headlines here. Both these teams were... We're playing really well, but instead they're both really hurt. One's on a slide and one's in the dumps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this one scores a little bit more due to some bad defense on both sides or maybe maybe a defensive score from one team at one point. I mean, like, I think this one's going to be ugly all around, but I think Carolina wins in some weirdo score like 26-24. Could be a scoregami again, uh, which we had last week. So, yeah. I mean, these are the dark ages right now, and it's un- unfortunately the way the NFL is structured. There's really nothing we can do about it until the off season. Hey, our predictions last week were really close. I think you were yeah. wrong by about three points, and I was wrong by five. So yeah, that's not good. We <laughs> no, well, <laughs> true, but I mean, and, and here's the thing. You know, you said this is a potentially winning game, and I wouldn't be surprised if we squeak this out. You know, no, me either. But, I'd be really happy if we did. The thing is, we lose this one. Look what we have coming up. We have Kansas City on a Monday night up there the week after. And Kansas City may not be the Kansas City they were two years ago, but... Uh, oh, I mean, they're not in the same class as us. I mean, come exactly. on. Exactly. I mean, that could be a real bloodletting. So, um, Philadelphia is going to Las Vegas. Prediction? 
the the coachless the coachless Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, who's their coach? Who's, who's I um that their defensive coordinator or something. I don't remember. I don't care. They still have Gruden's son still on the staff. Jay Gruden was on the staff. No, not not that's oh. his brother. Oh, sorry, sorry. Right. No, I uh ooh, I don't know. Probably I think right. His son is like the strength and conditioning coach. I don't see why he should be punished. Yeah, or removed. It's just weird, but um, uh, the whole thing's pretty fucking weird. But the whole thing is very weird. Uh, Philly stinks. They're not going to. They're not going to Vegas and winning. Let's say Vegas wins. Uh, you know, twenty four ten. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty to thirteen Vegas or twenty three thirteen something like that. Um, Dallas has a buy, so we can skip right to Washington going to Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay is just on fire, and Washington's a joke, right? If there is a big example of overreaction Monday, it was Green Bay getting destroyed in week one. Yeah, right? really. Where I think we both were like, yeah, okay, let's see week two and beyond. So, you know, probably was a good time if you were in Vegas after week one to put some money on them to you know, go to the Super Bowl or something because, you know, all the rats probably jumped ship. Um, Washington's not going there and winning. Um, let's, their defense is not playing that well either. Let's, let's go high. Let's go uh, – Green Bay wins 35-10. Oof, I was going to say 35-20. I think I think they well, we're seeing this a lot with with the Giants is scoring points in garbage time. So that's where I think the 20 comes from. Fair. That's going to do it for us. We'll be at MetLife Stadium a little bit early. I'm going to get there stupid early and I I've I have missed um a tailgate Every single week I've gone there because I've gotten there late. I vow to not do it. And then we will mosey up to the Jameson room as well. So we will be good and numb for this game. Everyone to grab a drink with us. Uh, You know, hit us up on Twitter. He's at football underscore grump. I am at the cranky fan. Uh, DMs are open, man. Just just tell me you're there. I will will walk over. Anybody lets us slide in? Well, (laughs) probably not. Let's not do that. Um, Yikes. Anybody wants to say, hey, let's meet up for a drink at a tailgate or at the Jameson room, we are we are looking to meet you guys. And, you know, I think misery loves company. We need to kind of, uh, you know, circle the wagons and be together for this these trying times. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, Alcohol is always a great equalizer. So yeah. Let's try that. There'll, there'll be something to high five over if there's some beer pong or, or something. Uh, it's something, right? Yeah, um, that one guy will probably throw up again or fall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Giants fans, we'll see you Sunday and then again on Tuesday morning for the next episode. Go Giants! Go Giants.